new on Curiosity Stream. Grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, here's surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Good morning, good evening, greetings and salutations, and welcome to the Hijack My Life podcast, a podcast devoted to personal growth and development. My name is Gene A. White Jr., and in today's episode, I want to talk about the topic of perseverance by asking you the question, how hungry are you? Let's go! Perseverance is defined as a refusal to give up. Persistence and tenacity are what you need to keep going, even if you don't want to. Perseverance comes from the Latin word perseverantia, which means to stick to something very well. So if you do something, even though it's hard, you're being very strict with yourself. People who do things like sailing around the world or climbing Mount Everest, they need to be strong. Even things like learning a new language can take a lot of hard work and practice every day. If you were to ask me the three words that I use to describe myself, I would tell you that I am patient, I am persistent, and I am polymathic. Now, I'm sure that you're familiar with the terms patience and persistence as a concept, but you may not have ever heard the term polymathic. To be polymathic simply means that I know a lot about a lot of different subjects. I've always strived to be as well-rounded as possible. My thought process is that if I'm well-rounded, if I learn as much as I can about different topics and, and skills, especially when it comes to making money, I will always be able to provide for myself and for my family. This should be true even if I am let go or laid off from a job. Now, I remember about 20 years ago, I looked at the last pay stub of the year that I received from my job, and it was about $18,000 for the year. I made a declaration at that moment that that would be the last year that I would make less than $20,000 a year. After that declaration, my income continued to rise as I got better job opportunities and increased my level of knowledge. See, I had a mindset change. And I was determined to make sure that I followed up on my word. This was intentional. I didn't want to go back to where I was prior to making that first $20,000 in a year. Now I've come a long way. So remember, let's recap that my three adjectives that describe me are patient, they're persistent, and polymathic. This episode's topic deals with more of the first two items patience and persistence rather than the latter item. See, I have this formula that I use in my life and it's kind of an equation that I use as a guide to personal success. And I hope that you find value and usefulness in this formula. So you say, uh, Gene, what is this formula? Well, it is patience 
plus persistence equals breakthrough. Okay, so let's break that down. Patience plus persistence equals breakthrough. We know what breakthrough is. It's, it's coming out on the other side of whatever uh, obstacle or whatever that goal is that, that you're trying to achieve, what, what success looks like to you, which is about your perception. Patience is the ability to stay calm when you're waiting for an outcome that you need or want. According to research, it comes in three main varieties. There's interpersonal patience, life hardship patience, and daily hassles patience. Interpersonal patience is the patience with other people, your patience with the, their demands and their failings. This type of patience is active. It takes listening skills, empathy. These are vital characteristics when you're dealing with difficult people. And when you're dealing with difficult people, you need to have self-awareness and emotional intelligence to understand how your words and your actions affect the situation. You can't just wait it out and just kind of hope for the best. So along with interpersonal patience, you also have life hardship patience. Now, we could use the term perseverance to sum up life hardship patience. It could mean having the patience to overcome a serious setback in life. Whatever the obstacle that you have to overcome, it will likely require determination and focus to achieve. And you'll need to keep your emotions under control throughout that journey. These emotions can range from an eagerness to get it done. The um, You could also have anger and frustration um, because things are happening along the way. These little small roadblocks and these little minor obstacles that are nagging at you but not stopping you. You can become frustrated with that and lose patience. This can cause you to become demotivated. The next one is daily hassles patience. We've had interpersonal patience and then we've had life hardships patience. Uh, daily hassles patients, sometimes you need patience to deal with the circumstances that are beyond your control. These are these life hassles. Um, something as trivial as getting stuck in traffic or waiting for a computer program to load. You also need patience to get through these dull but unavoidable day-to-day -day tasks that don't necessarily contribute to your personal goals. The ability to maintain self-discipline and give a job, no matter how mundane, the attention to detail it needs is a hallmark of patience. Research suggests that people who stay calm in the face of these constant petty frustrations are more likely to be empathetic, more equitable, and to suffer less from depression. I always try to stay calm, cool, and collected in all aspects of my life and, and dealings. And that often is tough. And it, it, you, you have to put on this poker face of sorts because things will happen. And if you're quick to react, you could potentially damage relationships. You can allow other people to see uh, fallacies in your way of thinking. Um, so even though it's, it's tough to keep that stone face, there are times where emotions will run high and you will show these emotions and you become impatient. But I try to practice being calm, the cool and collected in all situations because losing your patience frequently or inappropriately can harm your reputation 
and damage your relationships. It can increase stress or it can escalate a difficult situation. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to check out our product shop or the blog at hijackmylife.com, you just could be missing out. So there are daily posts Monday through Friday for you to enjoy helping you to grow and develop daily. Also, you can pick up any of the useful ebooks, guides, and audiobooks that we have available as well. These items are regularly updated, so if you don't see anything worth trying out today, then maybe you'll see something on tomorrow. Persistence is the quality that allows someone to continue doing something or trying to do something, even though it is difficult or opposed by other people. Perseverance is a close cousin to persistence. And if you ask me to achieve that true breakthrough in my formula for success, you have to bounce back from adversity and then you have to also bounce back from failure. You see, failure comes in many shapes and forms. And it could be from failing an exam, uh, losing your business, not getting that promotion that you were expecting, or maybe it's a painful marital breakup. You know, failure is also relative. For one person, a stern reprimand from a boss is an embarrassing failure, while to another, it's just an embarrassment. You know, in the first instance, the person would squirm with shame and frustration for a few days reliving this moment over and over and over again but the second person quickly races to fix the mistake and then regain their boss's approval so it's a perception thing that we're talking about here where one person sees losing their job as a failure another sees it as a setback and it depends on the individual's perception or personal definition of failure you know if we had an ideal world Everyone would never use the word failure, but instead we would just think it's an obstacle or a setback. But realistically, that doesn't happen. And for some people, they don't believe that that failure is not final. Failure is is everything and and it, it means everything to them in a negative way versus realizing that it's just a stepping stone to their next success and that you have to fail to reach that success. So here's some interesting facts about failure. Several research studies have been done on failure and its effect on individuals. Some of these findings include failure decreases a person's confidence in their skills and abilities. They equate failure to inferiority. Failure makes the goal appear unattainable. This is the reason why people uh, change track midway or they just give up. They believe that since they failed once, they'll continue to fail. An extreme and irrational fear of failure can be caused by just one failure and one setback. You know, failure makes people helpless. Some people become so overwhelmed with despair that they literally feel their lives have come to an end. And failure causes emotional and mental pain. Now, don't get discouraged, though. These are the negative findings. On the positive side, research has shown that those who are hungry for success and willing to go the extra mile always bounce back from failure more quickly and spectacularly. So why do we take failure so hard? One reason is because we take it personally. Have you ever known anyone 
uh, who intentionally set themselves up to fail? Yes. <laughs> Failure happens and it could be our fault, but never our fault by intention. You see, the key to bouncing back from failure is not to take it personally. You need to learn to look at failure objectively in order to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and put it behind you. You need to decide what kind of mentality that you have when it comes to failure. Are you taking a um, avoidance mentality or an approach mentality? You see, no two failures or setbacks are exactly the same, nor are any two reactions to failure exactly alike. The way that individuals deal with failure is uniquely personalized to their experience. Their perception depends upon their character and their circumstances and the type and scope of the failure. So for some losing their job, it can be devastating like a hurricane and it can totally crush them. And then for others, it's like a tornado that does some minor damage. And then there are others that see it like a thunderstorm and it'll temporarily derail them. But still, failure isn't fun and nobody takes it lightly. So understanding how you perceive and deal with failure is the first step to bouncing back more effectively. There are two basic mindsets that govern how we relate to failing. There is approach and then there's avoidance. So let's talk about how to identify whether you have an a approach mentality or an avoided mentality. People with an approach mindset understand that failure is a natural part of the landscape. They know that despite their best efforts, failure and setbacks are a possibility. This type of person is mentally prepared. And in the event that a failure is in the cards, they're not completely knocked off their feet when it happens. Some people actually create a physical plan B for how they'll proceed in the face of a failure or setbacks. This could be anything from a small emergency fund to a complete reshuffling of their business structure. Needless to say, this type of mindset makes it easier to pick yourself up and bounce back. That's not to say that you don't need steps to actually help to bounce back from that failure or bounce back from those setbacks. In essence, an approach mentality means that being forewarned is to be forearmed or to be armed ahead of time. And as a result, you will avoid a lot of mental anguish and heartaches. The avoided mentality. A person with this mindset avoids preparing mentally for failure. He avoids acknowledging that this is a possibility. He only sees the shining success ahead of him and makes that his sole purpose and focus. There's another good word for this mentality and that's called denial. Yes, everybody, denial is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> this is a great motivational mindset to have, but it doesn't hold up very well in the face of failure. Failing or experiencing a setback tend to be more devastating for someone with this particular mentality. In essence, an avoided mindset can be defined as being intentionally blind to the possibility of failure. So what type of mentality do you have regarding failure? If it's the first, then you're in a good place. If it's the second, then you just need to work on being more mentally prepared. Always have that plan B. Be ready for the setbacks that will eventually come. Now, when embarking on a new goal or a project, 
simply take the time to assess the things that could go wrong and how you could tackle these issues. Ask yourself a lot of if questions. Say, if this happened, then I would do this. And if this went wrong, then I would need to do what? And if I fail, it would mean blank. So remind yourself that unexpected situations may arise that simply weren't on your radar. And if they do arise, you'll deal with them the best that you can. Developing an approach mentality requires no specific skills or talents. It needs nothing more than practice. So always teach yourself to think in this way until it becomes a habit. This will put you in a much better place in the event that you fail. Think about it if you are a small business owner. You can't jump in and say, I want to start a um, barbecue food truck and just say, I'm going to go buy a pack of ribs, some hot dogs, some hamburgers, uh, ground beef, and then I'm just going to go in and start selling plates on the weekends. Well, you haven't really started a business. And and even if we weren't talking about a, a barbecue food truck, whatever business that that is, you could be selling widgets or trinkets. You have to have some type of strategic plan to set yourself up for success uh, one year from now, six months from now, three years from now, five years from now. So you need to set up a strategic plan that will be your guide. It will help you in making decisions in the future. When you come to a tough decision, you have a mission statement. You have a plan. You know where you want to see your business grow in the next one to three to five years, and you can make decisions based on whatever those goals are. Now, keep in mind, you set these goals. You set this plan. So these are your um, definitions as it would be to your success. So you are responsible for succeeding or failing. And keep in mind that failure is not final. So failure is not final. So if you don't achieve something in that plan, well, you still have another opportunity to go in and either A, try succeeding again or adjusting your plan so that your definition of success can be modified. Um, there's nothing wrong with that as well. When talking about perseverance, we all have stories. When I think about my journey into my everyday job as an educator working in higher education, I think about, you know, I kind of fell into this particular field. And once I fell into that field as an adjunct professor, I realized that I really loved the work coming from a retail background prior to higher education, built up strong customer service skills and characteristics, which I could translate over into higher education and make a difference because my start as a recent high school graduate and moving over into my initial college phase was rough and it dealt with both higher education and customer service. I always talk about how I, I like to marry the customer service aspect of it and the higher ed to help students not to come across the same issues that I did when I attended college the first time. I ran into a situation where I was playing collegiate golf and it was coming up on the spring semester. I was talking to my advisor and my advisor, um, as a pre-med major, yes, I had to take a lot of different classes that were um, difficult classes. So I was scheduled to take botany, 
chemistry and calculus in the same semester. Now, this was the spring semester, which means I was playing golf and gone a few days out of the week to go to golf tournaments as well. So you can imagine how difficult these classes were. I felt like I was let down by my advisor for not acting intrusively or proactively to say, hey, look, you may want to take a different set of classes or maybe take a couple of these difficult classes off and maybe work on those during the summer because I was an 18-year-old kid. I didn't know any better. I just knew I wanted to be a doctor, but there was a backup plan to me actually going to go and play professional golf. So needless to say, classes were extremely, extremely difficult and I didn't understand them. So I got to the point where I was just going to golf tournaments and that was about it. I really wasn't attending class because I didn't understand the work. I was behind and I wasn't um, wise enough to actually go through and try to seek help to fix what I had already broken. Needless to say, I flunked all of my classes that particular semester. I ended up getting my scholarship suspended because I didn't have the grades. Now you hit me where it hurts. I wanted to play golf professionally. I, I was going to school to play golf, really. Being a doctor for me was a backup plan. It was never a primary choice. Now you've hurt me in the gut because I can't play golf because of my lack of academic performance. So I ended up working, trying to get the grades I needed so that I could actually get back to my scholarship and get back to playing collegiate golf, which meant I actually had to pay for that semester out of my pocket, which was fine. No problem. I mean, I didn't want to. It wasn't ideal, but I had a job. So I would go in, take all my paychecks towards that. Well, the last day to register for school, um, classes had been going on and it was the last day to complete registration and I didn't have all the money that I needed. So I went in to ask the cashier if I had any options and she acted as if I was bothering her at work. It was like 4.15, 4.30 on a Friday. So she probably had the weekend on her mind. That's just my assumption, but that's the way I felt as a customer. And I walked away from that college and never walked back there again as a student. So. I never want anybody else to feel the way I felt. I had two poor customer service interactions on that campus, which shaped the rest of my life. They were setbacks. They did not shape the rest of my life in a negative way, however, because I used those interactions as a catalyst for my journey into sales, into uh, marketing, into uh, retail and being in retail was absolutely great because being in retail gave me a chance to find out who I was. I actually have a uh, personality. I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to smile. I learned how to um, sell myself. And now, if it hadn't been for that, I wouldn't be on this microphone right now talking to you about this particular story. It was about persevering. So I tried to make sure that I gave every 
every single customer a great customer service experience. And that's how I ended up getting promoted. You know, I took care of my customers. They always raved about me, but I made sure that I was learning different things about whatever my job was, trying to master my job and then go ahead and train somebody else to do the same thing. So it allowed me to be able to move up. Now, fast forward 10 years in retail, several different companies, primarily in wireless sales. And then now I'm able to take those same principles that I learned in retail and I can start bringing those to a customer service aspect of higher education. Those interactions help me to persevere and to be persistent so that I could be successful. I could have let that setback, me flunking out of school, um, derail me, but no, Six years later, I decided to go get an associate's degree. I graduated from there and I went to work. And I was, uh, well, I continued to work throughout my uh, associate's degree. Then I decided, you know, I want to go in and I want to get my bachelor's degree. I got my bachelor's degree in a year and a half because I had already had most of the credits other than 41 hours that I needed to graduate from the college where I got my bachelor's degree. I took the summer off after I graduated with my bachelor's degree and I started on my master's uh, program. And then 2019, I grabbed my um, master's degree and then I took eight months off because I was in Delta Leadership Institute Academy. And after that ended, I started my doctoral program and I am a doctoral student today because of that. But it all dealt with persistence. It all dealt with persevering through those setbacks. Okay. Now here's seven ways that you can bounce back from setbacks. I talked about some of the ways or some of the things I did, but let's, let's talk about some of the concepts that it means to, or, or, or let's talk about the tips that will allow you to bounce back when you experience those. Well, first you need to face your fear of failure. You know, failure is temporary. It doesn't last forever. Life is going to go on whether you uh, bounce back from that failure or not. But really digesting that failure is temporary, it can be powerful in cutting your fear in half or even more that uh, in failure. Just remember that failure is temporary. You don't need to be perfect. Sometimes it's not really the failure that we, the failure that we fear, but it's the thought of doing something less than perfect or achieving less than a 4.0 in school. Um, but if you realize that you don't have to be perfect, you can graduate with a 3.5, just like you can graduate with a three with a 4.0. It's okay. You can strive for excellence. But on that way to excellence, if you only reach great, then you're still okay. <laughs> Failure helps you grow. Uh, failing teaches you invaluable lessons that nothing else can. Have you ever looked at it that way? It, it's not to say that you should welcome failure, but when you see it as a challenge, a life lesson that will help you grow, you certainly won't fear failure as much. Also, embrace your successes. You may fear failure, but embrace the successes that do come. We all have brilliant successes that make us glow with pride, and we have unique talents and skills that make us feel good about ourselves. So confront your fear of failure with all of your achievements and know that you will continue to make great decisions and have outstanding successes despite those setbacks that come along the way. So the second tip is that you want to do a failure analysis. Painful as it may be, you might need to go back and try to identify what went wrong. 
This is a key step that will allow you to avoid making the same mistakes next time. You know, history helps us to see where we can go next. We have to know where we've been to know where we can go. Assess your skills and expertise. Was the failure due to a certain skill or expertise that you lacked? And if so, would you consider honing up on a skill that you were missing? Was there an alternative? What could have been done differently? Was there a breakdown in communication? What was the biggest factor that contributed to your failed outcome? And was there an unexpected factor that led to that failure? Was it really unexpected or could it have been planned for? What was your fault? Was there anything in that particular failure that was your fault? Or was it something that you, it was unexpected and you didn't have any control over? So unless you learn to analyze those failures, you'll never learn to learn from them. And that's a shame because failure can be an amazing opportunity for growth and advancement. Remember, failure is not final. Be tough. Number three, be tough and transparent with yourself. A big part of bouncing back from failure involves owning up and taking responsibility for your actions. Playing the victim game and throwing blame might make you feel better, but subconsciously you're giving yourself license to fail again because it's never your fault. When you're brutally honest with yourself, you'll identify faults that make you squirm with embarrassment and shame, but they will give you the harsh awakening that you need. Number four, learn to reframe failure. Reframing failure means putting it into a more positive perspective or seeing the good in the bad. It's developing a mindset that allows you to better succeed the next time around. And this involves three steps. You have to see the bigger picture, when you see the bigger picture, you realize that there's still a long way to go. Your goal is to reach the finish line and not give up halfway. You have to get comfortable with uncertainty because the best laid plans, they don't guarantee a successful outcome. There is a degree of uncertainty in everything that we undertake. We can have the most solid and secure plan, but there are still other factors. There are still other variables out there that you couldn't see and that you can't plan ahead for so you have to adjust for those and sometimes you just have to know that there is that uncertainty that's there and then the third part of this is cut the critical self-talk self-talk self-doubt is something that i struggle with daily um, and owning up is important because endlessly beating yourself up about it does nothing but make you feel worse the negative self-talk in your head after a setback can be crippling you're such a loser. You blew it. You idiot. How could I be so stupid? Why Why didn't I see that coming? Oh, I'm such a failure. Now, we've all heard these types of um, this type of negative talk and these voices in our head and it eats away at your self-worth and it eats away at your sanity. So don't let that control you again. Preaching to the choir because I do this myself. You know, train yourself to eliminate the judgmental self-talk by being on the alert for those thoughts. Dismiss them immediately and then instead firmly tell yourself what happened has happened and I did my best. I take personal responsibility and it's time to move on. Number five, celebrate the positives. 
Failure isn't always a dismal quagmire of shame, misery, and regret. You can be certain that even the worst setbacks have their glimmers of sunshine. Look for the positives in your failure and you will achieve two things. First, you'll realize that you didn't do so bad, all things considered. And second, you'll banish the critical self-talk that's bombarding you with self-doubt and recrimination. Number six, remember your why. This step is similar to seeing life as a marathon. You focus on your big goal, that bigger picture, right? You focus on your life purpose. It's why you do what you do. You remember last week we talked about finding your why or that why ask why. <laughs> well, the bigger the life goal, the bigger the or the more smaller goals that you're going to have to need to reach those. These smaller goals could be getting a certain degree. They could uh, be becoming financially secure or advancing to a certain level in your career. Typically, most failures occur within the realm of these smaller goals. Therefore, a setback may derail you for a while, but it doesn't mean everything is lost. So you have to reframe these things and look at the big picture. Part of your why may include the people that you care about, your partner, your children, your parents, and your friends. They are the reason that you pick yourself up and you bounce back, especially if they've been affected by the setback. So this is why it's always important to keep your why in mind. But also keep your why in mind when you fail. Determine how your why has been affected and what you need to do to get back on track. You need to reorganize your commitments and your priorities to bring that why back into focus and assess how you need to reorganize your life and then time to steer yourself back towards your purpose. And then just remind yourself that your why is worth fighting for. In rare cases, failure can bring an unfortunate realization that you need to find a new why. This is especially true when you've experienced repeated failure. Maybe you're just not destined to become an actor or a singer or despite all your efforts, you're not going anywhere in the career of your choice. It may be that a relationship that you've planned your future around is not that happily ever after that you thought it would be. It's important to pursue your dreams and your passions, but it's equally important to acknowledge when you're on the wrong journey. Number seven, forgive yourself. It's important to acknowledge failure and understand that it's part of the process. It's important to take responsibility, identify the lessons learned, reframe the failure, and focus on your why. After you've done all that, the final step is to forgive yourself. It's important to forgive yourself because allowing guilt and remorse to fester inside of you is a bad coping strategy. It holds you back from moving forward and it drags you into this loop of negativity. Putting these feelings behind you is a necessary part of the healing process. Forgiving yourself and moving forward with full force not only changes your outlook, but the outlook of those around you who may have been affected by the setback. They will also forgive you and support you in getting back on your feet. The fact that you already feel guilty and remorseful means that you have acknowledged and learned a valuable lesson. The next step is to not stew in those feelings, but Put the lessons that you have learned into action. Forgiving yourself can be done if you don't compare yourself to others. Don't look at others who you may perceive as more successful or smarter and wish that you could be more like them. 
apologize to yourself, not just mentally, but out loud. Tell yourself that you're sorry for messing up and that you'll use that experience to bounce back stronger than ever. Apologize to others. This is an important part of taking responsibility. Apologize to anyone you need to and perhaps discuss how you can make amends. Be patient. There's that word again, patient. Healing takes time. The memory of failure won't go away overnight, but when you put energy into bouncing back, the negative memories will be forgotten completely. The day will come when you can even look back and you can laugh at your failures. Have you ever heard of the story, The Founder? I was watching Netflix a few years back uh, on Christmas break and I saw this movie pop up and it was called The Founder. And I'd never heard the story before, but I know this is one of the restaurants that I frequent often, but it dealt with the story of how McDonald's came to be from the perspective of the, the writer and the producer of this particular movie. The Golden Arches are also synonymous with one of the oldest, biggest, and most successful businesses in the world. But without Ray Kroc, McDonald's would have been one location burger chain in San Bernardino, California. Ray had been a successful salesman in the past and always strived to achieve more and become more successful. But at this particular moment, Ray was a 50 plus year old struggling milkshake machine salesman who lived a comfortable life, but he craved even more. He met the brothers behind McDonald's and eventually convinced them of a franchise model to grow the brand. This led them to massive expansion, buying the land where all locations operate and grown into the McDonald's that we know today. Here's a quick synopsis of the McDonald's history. It started as a one location burger change. The burgers were originally 15 cents. Now they hire around 1 million workers in the US every year. McDonald's $27 billion in revenue makes it the 90th largest economy in the world. Now there's more to that story and more about how Ray Kroc even finessed his way into the military at the age of 15 and came back and did some other things. He did all these different things well before he even met the McDonald brothers. But the lesson here is to dream big because without a dream to grow the franchise, McDonald's would have been a one location burger joint. So failure is a normal part of life, but you can always stay one step ahead by being mentally tough and ready to confront any failure with dignity, courage, and defiance. So if you're going to persevere through your failures and you can bounce back, you must remember to keep going. Failure is not final. Keep going. So let's recap. Failure can knock us off our feet because it has so many negative associations, but staying down and accepting defeat is not an option you should even consider. You can bounce back or even change course completely to achieve outstanding success. Bouncing back from failure can be easily managed with a set of healthy coping tools. And when you practice those seven powerful steps, you will develop the ultimate coping mindset. Develop an acceptance mentality and use the seven steps provided to reframe your failure. Create a plan for moving forward and remember it's the only way you can go. 
Your plan should be based on the assessment of the last setback with all of its positives and negatives. Be very clear on what you need to do and what you need to avoid this time around. And remember, failure is a normal part of life, but you can always stay one step ahead by being mentally tough and ready to confront any failure with dignity, courage, and defiance. I hope that you have enjoyed the Hijack My Life podcast. If we've talked about the topic of perseverance today, feel free to subscribe to the podcast and leave me a comment. Also, go follow us on Instagram and leave me a note. Tell me what you thought about the episode. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. I wish you the best of luck with your spectacular comeback. And remember, in this life, we cannot progress unless we process the person that we are and implement the knowledge, the skills, and abilities that transform us into the person that we want to be. We'll see you next week. New on Curiosity Stream. Get ready for the best of the best with our 100 Days of Curiosity, featuring fan favorite titles like Light on Earth with Sir David Attenborough. Join me on a journey like no other. Stephen Hawking's favorite places. It's a crazy world out there. The history of home with Nick Offerman. Not my home, just homes. Other people's homes. And many more. Don't miss 100 Days of Curiosity, happening right now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.